Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. I want you to go with me to the book of Acts tonight, and I want to read you some verses. And um, uh, the Lord really um, uh, flipped my messages today. Uh, um, what I was going to preach this morning, I'm going to preach tonight. And what I was going to preach tonight, I preached this morning. And uh, I probably argued with the Lord more about what I'm going to preach tonight, preaching it tonight, uh, um, than I did what I preached this morning because tonight's a Sunday morning message. Um, but it's what I deal with a lot of times on Sunday morning, but man, the Lord just would not today let me get away from this, and I want to be obedient to Him and um, preach what He would have us to preach. You know what? I believe this in all of my heart. I I believe that every time we walk through the doors of the church, there's probably somebody uh, in the service lost, and a lot of times, you know, we, we may think this or we may think that, but the truth of the matter is this. The Bible said that many shall say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, if we not prophesied in thy name. And, um, um, you know, I, I believe that with all of my heart um, that there's probably somebody sitting here tonight that don't know the Lord as their Savior. If you was to die tonight, you would die and go to a place called hell. And um, I'll just say it just real blunt today. It's high time to do something about that. Um, it's time to quit pushing it to the side and it's time to get that thing settled. Uh, um, if you don't know you're saved, you need to know you're saved before you leave tonight. We're not promised our next breath. We're not promised what we're going to be faced with. Uh, matter of fact, the other day, and, and, and I've not said nothing about this, but um, the other night, in the middle of the night, the Lord just woke me up um, all throughout the night, and I could not get um, Brother Brian off my heart back there. Man, I prayed for him through the night, and the next morning, uh, I texted him and told him, said, Brother Brian, I'm praying for you, man, you and your family. I love y'all. Hope you have a good day, which was a Wednesday morning that night. He proceeded to tell me that that Tuesday evening late, he had actually turned his tractor over. And um, he was telling me about how the Lord kept him safe from that. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how sometimes God puts something on your heart to pray about something. And you really don't even know what you're praying for, but God knows what it is. Amen. And um, how quick life can change. You know, his life could have been taken so quickly. It was just the grace of God that it was uh, and um, could have been taken so quickly. And I say to you tonight, if you don't know you're saved, uh, man, tonight's the night to get that thing set. Uh, the Lord could come back, as I just said, uh, or we could go out by the way of the grave before the sun comes up in the morning. Uh, we do not know. Matter of fact, Brother Randy was telling me today, uh, um, this morning, a lady's been visiting with him, an older lady's been visiting with him quite a bit, and was going to talk to me today about joining the church. And Brother Randy said, this past Wednesday, they found her dead in a wheelchair. Man, uh, you said, Preacher, what are you? I'm saying this life can be taken from us uh, so quickly. There's two things about death tonight death is certain uh, and death is uncertain. You said, Preacher, that contradicts itself. Let me explain. It's certain in that we must uh, 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 all face it one day. Um, we're going to die. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. The uncertainty of death is this. We don't know when we're going to die. 
We don't have a clue when it's going to be. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about salvation. If you found your place in Acts 16, let's stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. The Bible said in verse number 25, uh, uh, of course, Paul and Silas has been beaten and thrown in jail. And look what the Bible said in verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed uh, and sang praises unto God. Time out just a minute. They've just been beaten and thrown into prison. And at midnight, instead of sitting around belly aching, they're praising God for what he's doing. Brother Josh said amen. <laughs> that was the only one I heard. Let me tell you what we do at midnight a lot of times. We sit around and bellyache about how bad everything is. But you know what they're doing at midnight? They're praising God. And the Bible said this, and the prisoners heard them. I got this wrote down in my Bible. Others will be affected by how we respond at midnight. Others will be affected by how we respond at midnight. Goes on to say in verse number 22 or verse number 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the, and the keeper of the prison uh, awakened out of his sleep uh, and seeing the prison doors open and drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing uh, that the prisoners had fled. Uh, the Bible said in verse number 28, But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the name or believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake, I like this right here, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. You know what we need to speak to people in the midnight hour? The word of the Lord. That's what they give them. They give them the Bible in the midnight hour. And this Philippian jailer right here, his life was forever changed because of salvation. He said to us, verse number 30, Sirs, what must I do to be saved. Father, I love you tonight. Uh, I pray, God, over the next few minutes, God, that you'd help us, God. I pray, God, that you'd use us tonight. God, I really believe in all of my heart. God, somebody needs to get saved tonight. God, uh, I believe that there may be some young person, some mama, some daddy. Uh, uh, God, I don't know who it is, but I really believe uh, that there's somebody in the service tonight, God, that don't know you. Uh, and God, they need to get saved. God, please do the work. Uh, in their heart and in their life, uh, God, that only you can do. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray, uh, amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. I, I want to look at this again uh, and preach on, Sirs, uh, what must I do uh, to be saved? What must I do uh, to be saved tonight? You know what I thought about this? Uh, um, salvation uh, is a very simple thing, uh, but 
many make it very complicated. Know what he said in the very next verse. He said this. Uh, he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Salvation is a simple thing tonight. I thought about this. What did the Bible say in First Peter chapter number 3? He said this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. Watch this but that all should come to repentance. You may ask this question tonight, preacher. Who can be saved? Well, the Bible said this, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What did he say? He said, it's not slack concerning his promises, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that what? Any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Salvation is for everybody tonight. There is not an elect few. Somebody give me an amen. There is not an elect few that can be saved tonight. That's called Calvinism, and that belief is out of the charred walls of hell tonight. Salvation is for everybody tonight. Well, let me show you two or three things about salvation. Number one, look at the meaning of salvation or the meaning of the word saved. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved. Saved is the Greek word sadzo, which means this. It means to save. Keep safe and sound. To rescue from danger and destruction. But saved from what? What was the Philippian jailer wanting to be saved from? Some say it was the earthquake, but it wasn't that. It's already over. Some say he wanted to be saved from his superiors uh, who would kill him since the prisoners escaped, but it wasn't that because none of the prisoners had got away. They was all there. He said, what must I do to be saved? Well, saved from what? When we're given an invitation, you know what we say a lot of times? Uh, why don't you come forward uh, and get saved? But saved from what? Delivered from what? Rescued from what? I thought about this. The Bible says, who shall ever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But saved from what? Have you ever thought about that? Saved from what? Well, here's what the angel of the Lord said at the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. What are we being saved from tonight? We're being saved from the condemnation of sin. What is the condemnation of sin? It is us dying and going to a place called hell. Sin is what separates us from God. I thought about this. Stay with me just a minute. And I hope you don't die on me right here. But people don't like the word sin anymore in our society. They don't want to hear about sin. They find the word sin to be offensive. I remember when drunkenness was a sin, now it's a disease. 
pregnancy outside of wedlock was a mistake. Now it's an accident. Shacking up was cohibition. Uh, has become cohibition. Abortion has become freedom of choice. Homosexuality has become an alternate lifestyle. No, you know what it is tonight? It's sin and sin uh, is what will send you to hell. And Christ come to save us from sin tonight. I read this. I didn't know this, but I read this this week's study, and I found it very interesting. Willie Nelson. Has anybody ever heard of Willie Nelson? I know nobody starts singing on the road again. Willie Nelson bought his own golf course on his own land. Someone asked him what par on his course was. You that don't understand golf, you know that each course has a par on it. And, and they asked him what par on his course was. He said this, it's my golf course, par is what I want it to be. He pointed at the first hole and he said this, that was a par 47 yesterday and I birdied it. I can. I like the way he keeps score. I can get a birdie, Brother Matt, when it's a par 47. You say, preacher, what are you saying? That's how people are approaching sin these days. They think that they can define it for themselves, never mind what God said, uh, never mind what the Word of God says. Uh, as long as they feel it's okay, then it's okay. It's secular humanism, and no matter what evil happens when we think back in days gone by from school shootings from Columbine Ford, the Twin Towers and the anthrax from suicide bombers to child abductions, wherever evil is happening today in our society, they're saying that they are sick. And that's what's causing the problem. Can I say something to you? They are sick today. It's a sin uh, sickness. Salvation is being saved from the penalty, watch this, of sin. What did the Bible say in Romans 6, 23? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans is saying this to us today. Yes, there is a penalty, and the penalty for sin is a dying without God. Oh, but aren't you glad that it didn't stop there, that the grace of God is abundant to us today. It's saved from the penalty of sin. I read this and I found it very interesting. In ancient Rome, they killed criminals in several gruesome ways. Crucifixion, thrown to wild animals, and another way, and several other ways. But here was one that I found interesting. When convicted of a criminal crime, many were executed by being attached to a corpse a dead body, usually of someone who died of a loathsome disease like leprosy. They would tie the corpse to the back of the criminal. He was required to work, eat, sleep with that dead body tied to him. As it decayed and decomposed, the disease would overtake the criminal who would then die slow, agonizing, humiliating death with another corpse attached to his back. 
Now let me say a couple things about that. If they would start doing that today, I guarantee you a bunch of the junk that's happening in this country today would stop real quick. You can say amen or old me to that, but it's the truth. That's the way that they would do. And I thought about what the Bible says, that we all have in our body the death that is tied to us because of a loathsome disease that's called sin today that is attached to us. David said that he was shapen in iniquity. Each and every one of us was born sinners. Each and every one of us was born in the need of a Savior. Each and every one of us was born with a penalty of sin. Oh, but the day that we get saved, we're saved from the penalty of sin. We're saved from the pollution of sin. The pollution of sin. When we get saved, the Lord says, I'll not only keep you out of hell, but I'll give you a new nature. I'll clean you up from the inside out. I'll give you the power to get victory over the bad habits in your life, to learn a better way of life, how to get rid of the things that don't belong in your life and replace them with much better things. We're saved from the pollution of sin. I thought about this. Uh, Brother Rodney and I was talking this afternoon about an individual that's got saved in recent days. We began to talk about that individual and I told him, I said, Brother Rodney, here's a couple things that was said to me just in the past few days and uh, the way this individual acted. And I said, man, if you'd have told me five months ago uh, uh, that they would have said this, that they would have acted this way, I said, I'd have called you a liar. I'd have said, there's no way that it'll ever happen. Uh, uh, but you want me to tell you what happened to them just a few weeks ago? Uh, uh, they got saved by the grace of God. Uh, uh, their whole attitude has changed uh, their outlook on life has changed uh, their outlook on me has changed uh, what has happened God is saving them from the pollution of sin I thought about this we're saved from saved tonight from the penalty of sin from the pollution of sin but can I say this one day according to Revelation chapter 21 verse number 27 we're going to be saved from the very presence of sin thank God when we get to the other side that day when we do make it home to be with the Lord Jesus Christ it'll be a place where there is no sin a sin will not enter amen a sin will not enter into heaven we'll not have to worry about sin anymore so we see the meaning of salvation. Number two, watch this with me tonight. We see the man of salvation. What did he say in verse number 31? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The man of salvation. People claim to believe in God. But the day will come when according to Philippians 2, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. I want to say something to you tonight. When you study this believing in the Lord right here, and I don't have time to preach all of this, but when you study this out, this is a repentant heart turning from a wicked environment to the Lord Jesus Christ and believing that he will save them from their sins. The person or the man of salvation tonight, it's God tonight. Salvation is in no other. It's in the Lord and the Lord alone. People, people claim to believe in the plan of salvation, but the plan of salvation cannot save you. You can only be saved by the man of salvation. 
Salvation's not in works tonight. Salvation's not in feelings tonight. Salvation's not in me trying, not in me being baptized. Salvation is not in my good intentions tonight. Salvation is not in me reading my Bible tonight. Salvation is not in me being faithful to the house of God tonight. Salvation is in one person, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ alone. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm going to ask you a question tonight. What are you banking on to get you to heaven? Are you banking on your good works? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's not in anything that I've done. The only thing that I could do to be saved was realize I was lost and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and confess my sin to him. So we see this, the meaning of salvation, the man of salvation, number three, and I'm done tonight. I want you to see the method of salvation. What did he say? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. God made salvation so simple that even a child can understand it. My sister, I didn't get saved I was 16 years old. My sister got saved when she was five years old. I don't remember it, but she said she got saved when she was five years old. And to this day, she still says she got saved when she was five years old. I don't have no reason to doubt that. I mean, there was some way she acted back years ago. It made me doubt it, but I, I don't have no reason to doubt that today. So simple, a child can understand it. The method of salvation is that we believe in Him. It's not that we believe in ourselves. It's not that we believe in the preacher. It's not that we believe in the church covenant. Are you with me? It's that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. What did he say? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I read this illustration. You care to come start playing something? I read this illustration the other day and I found it very interesting. It said a man who wouldn't fly was asked about it. I thought about Rodney as soon as I read that. A man that wouldn't fly. A man that wouldn't fly was asked about it one day and here's what he said. I know intellectually it's okay but emotionally I can't handle it. I thought about Rodney then too. One day, Rodney's got an excuse to be emotional. He's married and got six daughters. <laughs> here's what he said, not Rodney, here's what the illustration said. One day, he realized I'm a grown man wasting lots of time. I'm going to do it. So he bought a ticket, got on board, buckled himself in and made it to his destination. What was the difference before and after? Before he believed in airplanes and now he believed on the airplane. Millions of believers in Christ or, or millions believe in Christ Jesus. They have a head knowledge but will split hell wide open one day because they've never believed on Jesus Christ, that's a heart knowledge. They missed heaven by about 18 inches. 
What did he say? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. One way to heaven, and it's through him. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Then he went on to tell them, you know what? And if your family will do the same thing, they'll get saved too. And then he went on to preach the word of God to him after that. And you know what ends up happening? You know the story. He ends up, him and his household get saved. So I'm going to ask you this question tonight. Are you saved? If God come back before midnight tonight, would you go to heaven? Let me ask you another question. If we knew, if all of a sudden, Brother Andy, we got a, about said a telegram. You can tell we've been watching John Wayne the past two nights. But if, if, if we got an email or a phone call or a text message, and here's what it says. It was from God, and we could prove it was truly from God. And here's what it said. At 8 o'clock tonight, let me just back it up an hour. It's five minutes till 7. At 7 o'clock, I'm coming back to call my children home. At 7 o'clock, I'm coming back to get them. Would you need to do anything the next five minutes? Now, if the answer to that is yes, how do you know he's not coming back at 7 o'clock? How do you know that there's not a blood clot already in your body that's fixing to go to your brain, young or old? You'd be dead. You know what? I believe this in all of my heart, Brother Aaron. I believe it's appointed unto man once to die. We in days gone by, I have received awards called a life-saving award. And I understand all that. I, I, I have nothing against that. I understand that. But the truth of the matter is this. If there was an ambulance sitting outside that door right now, and there's some very good paramedics in this room right now, and you fell over with a massive heart attack or blood clot or whatever it was, and you fell over right here, they could pull every drug that they wanted to pull off that ambulance. We could grab an AED that's sitting right back there behind Brother Blake. We could put pads on you. We could shock you. Within a minute of you going down and us realizing you didn't have a heartbeat, within 60 seconds we could deliver a shock to you. They could push every drug that they carry on a drug. I mean, on a, within five minutes. Picture perfect scenario. But if it's your time, it don't matter what they push. It don't matter what they push. It don't matter if the best doctor in the world is standing beside of you with every utensil at his beck and call beside of him. If it's your time to go, it's your time to go. You me tell you the reason Brother Brian didn't die the other day? It wasn't his time to go. Brother Jonathan said that he must have nine lives. It's down to like a half now by all the stories that I've heard since then. <laughs> Massive heart attack. Brother Brian, he's just walking miracle when you really get to talking about him. You me tell you the reason why? God's still got a plan for his life. 
God's still got something for him to do. But our life can be taken so fast. And we say this, you know, when that moment comes, when I'm in that life or death situation, then I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God to save me. That hasn't been, but I guess, one time, Brother Tim, in my life that I, I really felt I was in a life or death situation. That was in 2016, in January of 2016. Myself and Brian Lowe was in a house fire and it ended up flashing on us in that house fire that day. I'll never forget it. Man, we got in there. We started searching the room. We made a rapid entrance through a window. We started searching the room that day, Brother Matt. And all of a sudden, temperature went out the roof. The, the, the room completely blacked out. And I thought, man, this is it. And I turned around to holler at Brian. He started calling Mayday on the radio. We started scrambling, trying to get our way to the window that we had come in. And I'll never forget, I looked back over Brian's shoulder that day and I could see the fire running down. I didn't even know it was a hall at the time, but I could see the fire running down that hall towards us. And honest to God, I thought, this is it. It's over. I'm dead. We went out that window and Brother Mac's brother, Ricky, come running up to me. Everything was blurry. My air was hot in the t- that I was breathing and I thought, I've burnt my lungs up. It's over with. I'm laying here sucking my last breaths of air. I thought about Leslie. I thought about the girls. I thought this is it. And I'll never forget when he took my mask off. He took it off. He took my helmet off and he pulled my mask off. Whenever he pulled my mask off, everything was clear. And my mask had distorted from the heat that day. The air was cool because it was January and boy, it felt good to be breathing cool air and see everything clear. The only thing that run through my mind in that probably maybe 60 to 90 seconds that we was getting out. There was one thing running through my mind. Live. That's all I could think about. What do I do to make it? There was something, I don't know, I can't explain it. I hope I never have that feeling again. But the only thing I could think about, Brother Ramsey, was living. Brother Mac, that's all I could think about my wife. I could think about my kids. And all I could think about was finding that window and jumping out that window and Brian, me and Brian getting to that window and getting out that window. I didn't think, Brother Josh, man, I'm going to die and go to hell, which I knew I wasn't going to die and go to hell. I never thought about praying in that moment. You may condemn me on that if you want to. Brother Jonathan, there's probably been some times in your career that you in that tight spot and praying really wasn't in your mind. Making sure you went home to your babies and wife that day is what was running through your mind. Brother Mac, I'm sure in your career there's been times that you've been in that place where that's what you... You weren't thinking about praying. And we get in our mind, boy, when I get to that place, I'm going to get saved then. Being saved might not even be in your mind. Living something that's just naturally in you is probably what's going to be going through your mind. How do I get my next breath? Life can be taken so quickly. 
don't say I'm going to wait until the last moment to get saved.